history nerds and historians. My name is Christina and this is F.Dump Cryptozoology. This is where we talk about a cryptid that's super fucked up because it's Cryptmas. I'm not kidding. I want that on a shirt so badly. So today we're going to head back into North America and talk about the Jersey Devil, which is literally the cutest fucking cryptid that I've ever seen. And I feel like I would die for him. And what else is super fucking cute is my face. If you'd potentially like to see more of it, please consider joining my Patreon. I'm really awkward, but it's part of my charm. It's how I, uh, you know, seduce all the ladies and envies and just reluctantly men. I say as I'm married to a man. At this point, the fact that I'm like even attracted to a man and married to a man when there are literally like any other woman and non-binary people just proves to you that sexuality and love is not a choice. And if you think it is, this is not the podcast for you, friends. So... Anyway, let's talk about the Jersey Devil, which I also cannot control my love for. So (laughs) anyway, without further ado, sit back, relax, and practice your oh good God, what the fuck faces. So on January 16th, 1909, in Trenton, New Jersey, a councilman named E.P. Whedon was woken up in the middle of the night to the sound of something pounding on his door, and then the sound of large wings flying away. And when he looked outside, he didn't see anything, but saw hoof marks in the snow. Over the next five days, other people in the area started having similar experiences, seeing the same kind of prints and hearing weird noises that one person described as like a phonograph record scratch combined with a factory whistle. And then people started saying that they were seeing something. In Bristol, Pennsylvania, really just over the border, about 20 minutes away, the postmaster E.W. Minster said that he saw a weird creature that he described as crane-like. He said that it had a long neck and huge wings, but the head of a ram, and said that it seemed to just glow a little bit. And just down the street, a man named John McOwen saw something that he described as an eagle-shaped, hopping around, leaving hooved footprints, not talons. They called the creature the Jersey Devil, and people were freaking out. Businesses shut down, schools shut down, people were arming themselves and going out hunting for this creature, and they never found anything. Overall, there were about 100 sightings across southern New Jersey and northern Pennsylvania. It all kind of came to a head on January 21st in West Collingswood, New Jersey, when the fire department said that they found it and it was swooping down at them, trying to attack them, and it only stopped when they fired their giant hose at it. The next day, a woman said that it attacked her dog. Although more people than that saw a Jersey Devil, When Norman Jeffries, a marketer for the 9th and Art Street Museum in Philadelphia, acquired a kangaroo, painted stripes on it, attached cardboard wings and horns to it, and then let it jump around the museum, marketed as the Jersey Devil. Now, 1909 is not the first time that this creature was seen. There are supposedly some stories from the colonial days surrounding it that I'll talk about here in a couple minutes um, because I have issues with them. But Joseph Bonaparte, the brother of the Napoleon Bonaparte, apparently saw this creature while he was hunting on his estate in Bordentown, New Jersey in the 1820s. 
In the 1840s, the Jersey Devil was blamed for multiple livestock killings and people were hearing strange noises. And even after 1909, there were sightings and reports. In 1925, a farmer killed an unidentifiable creature. In 1937, there were sightings similar to it in Pennsylvania. In 1951, some teenagers, because of course there's always teenagers, saw something matching the description. And some sightings are still even seen today. But the thing is, is that it seems like really any unidentifiable creature in New Jersey is said to be the Jersey Devil, which is just not the case. The Jersey Devil is very specific in its description and its lore, um, but it's kind of become like a mascot in New Jersey. In 1938, it was designated the official state demon and a hockey team even named itself the New Jersey Devils after it. Although I'm disappointed the mascot is a red devil and like not the actual Jersey Devil. Like, because how fucking boring is that? So, what is the Jersey Devil? So, according to my most reliable source ever, Wikipedia, I told you in the first episode not to judge my sources. I am serious in every other episode. Christmas is just silly, silly fun times. Okay, so I, I feel you judging me for it. I'm judging myself for it. But, like, according to Wikipedia, <laughs> my, my extensive and highly impressive search on Wikipedia, specifically the cryptid wiki page which is totally a thing and now like my favorite site to get lost in a rabbit hole in the Lenape people who lived in this area called the land Popoessing which apparently means place of the dragon but the and the Lenape people had a creature called the Masing which was a deer creature with leathery wings Later settlers also called this area Drake Kill, with Drake meaning dragon and kill apparently meaning like creek. Um, <laughs> so let's address it, okay? Uh, as far as reliable sources go, I couldn't really find this corroborated on any legitimate websites. It's mostly articles also quoting Wikipedia, and I also couldn't find anything about Drake Kill. So that's why I'm acknowledging that I got this from Wikipedia. It is not a reliable source. I'm not going to say that any of that is true. I did find a Lenape spirit called the Masing, but it isn't encrypted. It's like a medicine spirit and a nature spirit that ensures balance. They say they were uh, a protector of all animals in the forest and is usually associated with deer. They are an important part of the Lenape traditions and rituals. They're usually shown as a face that's like half black, half red, often in humanoid form, who rides the forest on a deer, punishing those who disrespect the forest and helping those who are good. So not the Jersey Devil. Imagine that. Wikipedia not being reliable. I, like, I'm totally fine going to Wikipedia to read things that people made up. Um, and I'm totally fine to go there to get like, kind of like a basis jumping off point and then go research more stuff from there to like, learn more. But when it comes to indigenous stories, like to bastardize these indigenous stories and push some of them as like this narrative of like cryptid stories, it just like doesn't sit right with me, especially because most of the time it's wrong. And when you go to actual indigenous websites, that like the information is there. So why are you going to just make something up and be like, oh, it's just the indigenous people like, oh, those people just believe like it's 2023. Let's not disrespect indigenous culture anymore. Like this isn't the 1800s, okay, or the 1700s. So that is not what the Jersey Devil is. It is not the Masing spirit of the Lanape people. So what are other stories that sort of surround its origins? Well, according to the New Jersey government website, <laughs> which was 
A very interesting thing to read about on a government website. There are a couple stories about the Jersey Devil. One says that there was a young girl who fell in love with a British soldier and got pregnant and was cursed by the town. Uh, Another one says that it was a Romani woman who cursed a pregnant woman when she refused to help her. But the most popular story that you'll see is from 1735 in Leeds Point, Southern New Jersey, with a woman known as Mother Leeds. Now, my very totally reliable sources of... (laughs) of Wikipedia, um, say that this is probably Deborah Leeds, whose husband was Jaffet Leeds. Although some people said that she was also a lover to the devil himself because she was a witch. And me, being a historian of witchcraft, I was immediately like, whoop, okay, this story just became my favorite story. Witchcraft and cryptids, like, ah, combined my favorite things. So the story continues that soon she became pregnant with her 13th child, but she didn't want a 13th child, which I mean, I understand. So it says that she cursed the child in her womb in frustration. Although there are some versions of the story that the fetus was the result of an unholy union with the devil. And when she gave birth, she apparently said, oh, let this one be a devil. And the child was not human. Some versions of the story say that it was born totally normal and then it transformed while others say that she just gave birth to a monster. So this creature, whether born this way or transformed into this, had the face of a horse with horns on a long neck. It had bat wings and a forked serpent-like tail. It was bipedal, but at the end of those legs were hooves. And immediately it began attacking everyone in the room before it flew up the chimney and flew out to the pine barrens and every now and then would emerge to eat small children. And a priest was even brought in to exorcise the monster from the forest that became known as the Leeds Demon. The Pine Barrens is over a million acres and is the perfect place to hide a monster. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna like take off the cryptid hat and I'm gonna like take off the conspiracy theory hat for a moment. I'm gonna put my my historian hat back on, which is a lot cuter than you think it is. <laughs> I'm gonna say that like I think that I have a couple issues with the story, like as a historian of witchcraft. Like we can have happy, happy fun times and silly, silly fun times. Um, but like as a historian of witchcraft, I'm gonna say like just saying some of these things, like it, it doesn't bring it to the full potential of like witch folklore, right? So like saying that the number 13 is significant, like in the stories that I read, it's just like, oh God, she just didn't want a 13th child. Like, oh my God, who would want a 13th child? She already had 12. Like, come on, people struggle with one. I'm me, I'm people. Um, So I just think that like that doesn't push it as far as it can into the witch folklore. So for anyone who doesn't know, the number 13 is unlucky why we have Friday the 13th and everything. And I believe that for the most part, it comes from Judas being the 13th person to sit at the table at the Last Supper. You know, and the reason why Friday the 13th is unlucky is because like Jesus is said to have been crucified on a Friday. And so when you have Friday and then you mix it with the 13th, that's why it's unlucky. But the number 13th and 13 in general has just been considered unlucky um, because Judas was the 13th person to sit at the table and he was the one who betrayed Jesus, right? Um, So if this pregnancy was said to be like the product of her relationship with her husband and she was a witch, it would make sense that she would like offer this child to the devil, like unlucky 13, that's for you, boo. Like, um, but then if she was lover to the devil, it also makes sense that this 13th child would be the product of the union between 
the two as a sort of like mockery of Christianity, hinting maybe at ideas that this would even be like the Antichrist, the one who would bring down Jesus, usher in the end of the world. Like, you know, you could have gone so much farther with like the witch folklore to make it actually make more sense than just for being like, oh, God, I don't want a 13th child, right? Um, so that's like me coming from like a historian of witchcraft lens, like understanding the like religious and like social history that goes along with that. There are other historians who have issues with this story as well. So I know that this story and like this series is not something that is deemed academic, but this part now is going to be academic. This comes from like a scholarly reviewed articles and books written by an actual historian named Brian Regal, who has a completely different theory as to the birth of the Jersey Devil and it not really being like something coming from witch folklore. And he writes all about it in a book titled The Secret History of the Jersey Devil, How Quakers, Hucksters, and Benjamin Franklin Created a Monster. Now, I haven't had the chance to read this one yet, but I did buy it and I plan on reading it in like a couple days when I'm done with school, probably. Um, but I did find an article written by Regal where he gives like a brief explanation about his theory behind the Jersey Devil that he elaborates on in his book. So he starts by saying, like, nothing is substantiated. There is no evidence. And the evidence that you do find on the internet is mostly just people, like, going round and round in circles regurgitating the same things that they see on Wikipedia. And now I'm part of that problem, okay? So let me try and fix it. Um... <laughs> He says that the reality of the Jersey Devil actually goes back to the early 1700s. So New Jersey, as it's now known, was originally colonized by Henry Hudson, who claimed the land for Holland and called it the New Netherlands. It was a Dutch colony until about 1664, when England came in and the land was ceded to the British without any bloodshed or major issues, and the name was then changed to New Jersey. So like politics, 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 unimportant to this part of the story. So fast forward to the 1670s when a man named Daniel Leeds, who lived in a place called Leeds Point in the area that is now known as the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. Sound familiar? You're going with me? Um, this is who Regal attributes to being the one who is basically responsible for the Jersey Devil. Um, but not in the way you think. He did not have 12 children. He had nine total children from four different wives, none of whom were named Deborah. So again, I go, what? Wikipedia being wrong? David Leeds, like most of the other people who lived in New Jersey and Pennsylvania during this time period, was a devout Quaker, which brings a whole like exorcism, exorcism thing into question as well, because like Quakers didn't believe in exorcism or like even really have clergymen. So a priest performing exorcism on the barren pines, like that doesn't make sense either. Just again, going against these stories is what critical thinking is important. So Daniel Leeds became a land surveyor in 1687 and began publishing an almanac. But some people felt that the language that he used in this almanac, specifically surrounding the astrological data that he was coming up with, was too pagan for the Quaker community. So he apologized to the community, but a determination was still made by the Quakers and by like, you know, the Quaker meetings um, to gather up all the copies of his almanac and destroy them. And this upset it. It, this upset Leeds so much that he ended up breaking with the Quakers. In 1688, he published a book called The Temple of Wisdom, where he basically started making up his own ideas about the universe and astrology and magic and angels and devils. 
He wasn't like a witch or dark magician or anything, but he did think that astrology was the answer to a very deeper understanding of God and Christianity and the world. And the Quakers were very against this too. And were like suppressing and destroying the Temple of Wisdom, which led to him publishing just like anti-Quaker books and pamphlets that literally get responses from George Fox, who was the founder of Quakerism. The Quakers start saying that he's evil and eventually begin saying that Leeds is working with the devil, which is only amplified when he then converts to Anglicanism. While all this is going on, Leeds starts to get like really involved in local politics. And in 1780, and in 1702, when Lord Berkeley, Edward Hyde, uh, an Anglican, became the governor, Leeds was appointed to his council. And all the while, Leeds was continuing to publish this almanac until he retired and turned it over to his son Titan in 1716. Titan eventually redesigned the masthead of the almanac to include the Leeds family crest, which was a wyvern, an animal with a horse-like face, clawed feet, and bat wings. Doesn't that sound familiar? And it's something that I didn't think I was going to be saying when I started researching this whole like cryptid series. Enter Benjamin fucking Franklin, <laughs> the only man who signed every document that freed America from Britain. Inventor of swim fins, the lightning rod, the Franklin, Pennsylvania stove, the flexible catheter, a 24-hour three-wheel clock that was much simpler than other designs of the day, bifocals, the discoverer of that electricity exists in storm clouds, uh, founder of the first circulating library, the first volunteer fire department, uh, the first learned society, um, founder of the first liberal arts academy, founder of the first public hospital, uh, founder of the first mutual insurance company. The person who first, like, proposed that we have daylight savings, the person who improves streetlights, all of these things, right? This was uh, according to the Visit Philly website directly. I literally just, like, went through this list of, like, all of the contributions of Benjamin Franklin. Also, contributor of the Jersey Devil, <laughs> potentially. So in 1732, Benjamin Franklin began publishing the Poor Richard's Almanac, and one of his biggest competitors was Titan Leeds and the Leeds Almanac. In the 1733 edition of Poor Richard's Almanac, Franklin decided to just go straight to attacking Titan, and he said that on October 17th of 1733, Titan Leeds would die. Now, Franklin was just fucking with Titan, but Titan was not amused, probably taking astrology fairly seriously, and began attacking Franklin in his almanac, calling Franklin a fool and a liar. Franklin continued to fuck with Titan leads and basically said that the Titan leads that he knew would never reduce himself to using such insults. And besides, according to his calculations, Titan was supposed to be dead. So it must be a creature from the spirit world who is making these comments on Leeds behalf. And then he actually received much abuse from the ghost of Titan leads. And it was within this time period that the story of the Leeds devil begins emerging. And the rest is sort of like, Crypto history, if you will, with the name eventually just becoming the Jersey Devil. But what explanation do we have maybe for the 1909 occurrences and sightings? 
Leading cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman and Ivan T. Sanderson said that it was a real estate hoax, that there were developers who wanted to buy the houses in the area and they were hoping that this hoax would push people to sell for lower costs to try and get out as fast as possible. So they started making up these stories and being real convincing. And Sanderson claims that they even made fake feet for the for the footprints that went through the town. So maybe the real devil of New Jersey is just capitalism. Okay, so this is my favorite episode of the Cryptid series that I have done. I mean, it has so many of my favorite things. A cute cryptid, witchcraft, the devil, propaganda, politics, religion, Quakers specifically. So those of you who don't know, I was involved in a Quaker project for like two and a half years. I have a soft spot for the Quakers. Um, also, you know, just it being a ton of pettiness, which just like happens to be my love language. And I thought that this was just like, I originally was going to put this earlier in Cryptmas, but I just felt that, like this was like a really good one to end with um, because I feel like it kind of transitioned us out of Cryptmas into history again with my specializations and just going back into like the lens of after history. So... Merry Cryptmas. Thanks for coming along with me this month. I hope that you enjoyed it. And that is where we are going to leave it today. So if you like what you heard and you want to hear more, please consider subscribing or leaving a review or joining my Patreon. And remember, friends, history might be watching you. So don't fuck it up. And for the last time, be careful of the woods, friends. Bye. Merry Cryptmas. <laughs>